Welcome to the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight, the podcast where we uncover the secrets of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and visionaries who've used public speaking to skyrocket their businesses and their bottom line. Get ready for captivating stories, valuable insights, and practical wisdom from the trailblazers who've mastered the art of the stage. I'm your host, Kelly O'Hara, and I'm thrilled to bring their experiences and expertise directly to you. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight, the podcast that delves into the transformative power of public speaking and driving professional and business success. I'm your host, Kelly O'Hara, and today I'm thrilled to introduce a guest who truly embodies the spirit of excellence in business and strategic leadership. Joining us is Michael Rube, the managing partner and founder of Inflection 360, a renowned cult consultancy specializing in business growth and development strategies. With over two decades of experience, Michael has established himself as a skilled strategic advisor, consultant, corporate executive, and investment banker. His career began in investment banking at Donaldson, Lufkin, and Genret, where he developed expertise in capital raising, mergers and acquisitions, and restructuring. At Inflection 360, Michael leads initiatives that drive success in dental and medical groups and private equity-backed platforms, leveraging his skills in corporate development, mergers and acquisitions, and capital raising. Prior to Inflection 360, he held pivotal roles at Western Dental Services and U.S. Health Works and managed multiple multi-specialty surgical centers in Southern California. His comprehensive experience and strategic insights have made him a respected figure in the business community. So without further ado, let's dive into a conversation with Michael Rube and uncover the secrets to leveraging public speaking for business and professional growth. Welcome to the show, Michael. Well, Kelly, thanks for having me. Wow, that, that was a great intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to hear. I don't know. I feel good. There you go. So nice to be here. Good. I'm glad because it's a mouthful. You do a lot and it's a mouthful to get all that out there, but I'm thrilled to have you on the show and this will be wonderful for our group. So tell me, I love my, one of my favorite questions is always where it all began and what inspired you to enter the world of investment banking and business consulting? Yeah, it does go back to the beginning. Um, goes back pre pre college. My dad was the chief financial officer of uh, of a large corporation. Uh, I always had, I was always mathematically driven, uh, and so I think always looked at pursuing a path going down a, a somewhat track to my dad. I clearly deviated from that, but um, so when I was applying for school, business was a big focus for me, and so I went undergrad. I was a finance and marketing major, but I and Really, in my time at Wharton, I was thinking about what that next step for me was. And investment banking had a lot of allure. And I was thinking about ultimately ending up in a corporate setting to work mm-hmm. with a lot of different kinds of companies, learn a lot in a, in a very compressed period of time. Uh, it's a pretty intense work environment. And uh, just continue to further my financial skills. I mean, that was really what drove me down that path uh, initially. And I did. I ended up, I think, spending about four years in investment banking in a couple of stints pre and post business school because uh, I went back to business school, did more finance and accounting. So uh, in between uh, the two stints. So uh, from early on, I was very driven down the banking path, but I think it, le- it largely is just sort of uh, having an interest following a lot, somewhat of my dad's lead. 
and, and where he yeah, shows it for sounds it sounds very meant to be for you definitely yeah, yeah. Uh, you were groomed for this so tell me what what motivated you to shift your focus on dental and medical groups and tell me what uh, kind of unique challenges did you encounter in those industries yeah, it, it took some time and it was, I think, a series of accidents or job changes that caused, ended up in healthcare. Uh, even when I was in investment banking, I never worked in a healthcare transaction in my time. Um, but I made the jump to the dot com. I, I made a jump to a tech company in the dot com era at a, about three months before it became the worst decision ever, rather than when the industry went. So I joined a company that was about to go public, a huge valuation that already raised a lot of capital um, and be as a VP of finance. And uh, three months later, uh, we were. Sh- Closing off the, the the public offering, working, figuring out how to stay alive, and survived about another year. So now I was out of investment banking. I was in a totally different industry, and then trying to decide: do I want to go back to banking or do something different? Uh, and so at that point, I was still unclear. And uh, a good friend from business school actually made an introduction to who was his brother, who was an orthopedic surgeon who had some surgery centers he was looking to grow. And I was intrigued enough at that growth potential that that's what brought me into healthcare versus necessarily initially a passion for the industry. So uh, we started with, I came on board, we had two surgery centers, we grew them to six, sold them a public, sold them to a public company at that time. And, and going there, I was, I was a health, I was an operator and an expert in the healthcare field. So um, I made my jump to us health works where I was uh, heading up M and a, for a couple of years. And so now I was getting into the more uh, corporate side, the true bigger corporate side of healthcare. But at some point I was, the corporate, the feeling under a true corporate umbrella was getting a little constrictive to me. So I, I started to look at what else I could do and take my skills from all that I had done in that point and how I could work with other businesses. And so I kind of launched out on my own and started working with a variety of different companies in and around the healthcare space you know, some of them on some small projects, some of them larger. Uh, I don't think I really sort of solidified what I was trying to achieve until I then made it a few years later, I ended up at Western Dental, uh, where I came back to assume a similar role of heading up acquisitions, uh, head of business development. And uh, it was my first foray into the dental space, but that got me really sort of excited about the overall opportunities and really where I saw the potential of helping businesses that were looking to raise capital or to get acquired and how often they were missing the mark in terms of their own valuation or putting putting the right package together to get the best deal they could for themselves. So it was, yeah. And so the opportunities were there. They were endless, particularly in the dental space. This is 2017 that I went pivoted that route. Uh, so many transactions going on in the industry, uh, but uh, but not enough, I think, prudent advice being given to these business owners who had grown from one practice to maybe five to 10 to 20. Uh, here they are trying to get into a transaction with a major corporation. I always felt that they were, we had an unfair advantage. So how could I level the playing field? Um, so the opportunity was there. The challenge was, you know, convincing people, uh, you know, that they need your services is one always. And that's <laughs> any sort of a consulting or advisory role, but really recognizing that, uh, you know, all, you know, all kinds of consultants and advisors aren't truly created equal. And I had a very different approach, um, I think, than sort of a traditional advisor, because I did have that operational experience, having run the surgery centers, having been in the industry for 20 years. I really came at it from a different vantage point and understanding their pain points. And I think that's where I sort of 
try to build a more collaborative relationship with the team, almost becoming an adjunct member of a team versus just somebody who's there for a transaction. And, and I think you know, it sort of took a little time to build that momentum around how I think about things to sort of add that value because it takes time to add the value to then get the benefit in a transaction or down the road. So sort of playing to my own interests is sort of how I developed, but it was a little bit of a challenging path and I wasn't sure where I was going initially, but I just saw opportunities and after I left Western Dental and uh, and started to really forge some pretty uh, long-standing relationships. You know, some one of the clients I've been working with for the last seven years now as I'm ended. So, uh, you know, it's some of them have been very long-standing relationships. Well, so is this where, at what point in this, it sounds like you're very good at reinventing yourself and seeing right. opportunity. And, yeah. and is this, at this point, is this what the vision was behind founding Inflection 360 is that how you got involved at that point? Is that how you came yeah. up with that idea? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was a specific. There was two things. Two things that happened when I was at Western Dental that sort of made me think a lot about it. One was I, I did one transaction where I created a group of. I led the acquisition of a, a group of I think ten or twelve, a ten location dental group, and they actually had a great advisor behind them. Uh, uh, a boutique investment bank actually they had a bigger than they probably needed kind of a group but they were getting all the right advice which when you're when you're on the buying side of a deal you're trying to figure out how you can poke holes in a deal to get it to pay less but they had everything buttoned up they did a really an outstanding job so um that was a very that was an anomaly in every other transaction i could see well if you'd only done this or made this change or presented your financials differently you i mean i had deals where like you left a couple million dollars on the table in my brain so recognizing that just just the lack of in, you know experience that they have on the, you know what you know they've built this dental practice they have no they've never had the insight to you know the experience in selling it before um, and they clearly weren't knowing how to find the right kind of an advisor uh, that industry is full of like dental brokers who will do a transaction but they're not really providing that next level of ad, advice so I could see that it was there I could see when done right uh, how successful a transaction could be uh, and recognize that. For what they were doing, I could certainly do that quite well. And after I left, I started speaking to a number of practices that I had tried to acquire unsuccessfully and recognized if you're interested, I can actually help you get to the next level. So I sort of saw the opportunity and uh, you know, immediately started reaching back out to other people and building those relationships. So. so how do you teach clients? This is a great teaching moment. Yeah. You know, what's your approach to identifying and nurturing those kind of potential business opportunities for those businesses that you're working with. What What's yeah. your strategy or what can you give them as, you know, great points of interest that they should keep an eye out for so that they can actually see the, the potential? Yeah, I think the first thing, just speaking directly for me, is is um, it's, it's hard to be a great teacher until you've been a really good listener. And so I've spent a lot of time trying to understand the practice because while I've worked with, a t I mean, I don't know I've, how many different companies I've worked with now at this point in my career, but you learn something from every one of them. But until you really, really understand the fundamentals of how they operate their practice, who's strong on their team, where their weak spots are, I don't, I've never believed in like, there's a one size fit all set of advice or a, a way to address a problem. And it's really trying to play. And so uh, I found that, you know, it takes a little time sometimes a series of meetings before anyone wants to engage me. Like I don't even make an, a, pro a proposal initially. I want to spend time meeting and learning because I have to learn enough to then tailor a proposal to really fit where I see I, how I, I fit into the puzzle. 
obviously from doing a transaction, but there's a lot of work that takes to get to that point if that's what they're looking for. But I've had other clients where it's not even transactional. It's like being a providing strategic advice and being a you know almost you know a strategic advisor to the business. So it's getting in there, seeing what the opportunities are, understanding their challenges or where they have gaps on their team uh, or knowledge, and sort of then talking through how we can take an advantage advantage of that. So you know my biggest advice, even you know whether talking to me or anyone else, is for any business owner is you know. There, you get a lot of free advice from people um, if, if you're willing to take meetings and you might waste some time and that some people may not have any practical advice, but if somebody has credibility, whether it's me or somebody else, and you take the time to listen, honestly listen to what the advice that's being offered, you can get a lot of, in, in, you can get a lot of valuable input before you ever pay a dollar to have somebody engaged in like my kind of a role because I'm having to, like, me like anyone else has to sell myself to them anyways. They're not going to just take me on without me demonstrating that can provide some value and find out if there's a connection, see if there's a fit, if you're aligning and how I perceive your business aligns with how you see where the opportunities are. And if you don't feel that, I would definitely never want, I don't want to work with a client that doesn't see the value in working with me. And I would never want any client to work with somebody that they felt like this was, they were, were going down different paths. So uh, it, it is certainly, it's, it's not necessarily a marriage, but it's your date. It's going to be a long-term relationship the way I think about it. So you better, if you're going to date, you better get, you better like one another and, and, and really understand what each brings to the table. Yeah. They've built these businesses typically, you know, done an amazing job. You know, my goal is to sort of, you know, put a bow around the business in, in many cases and help it get to the next place it's trying to move to. I love your approach. I really appreciate that. I've, I've done a lot of strategic partnerships and, and corporate acquisitions, sponsorship acquisition. And it really starts with listening and really hearing what it is that they're looking for, what they're trying to accomplish. And I really like your approach. Um, tell me something. So now, because we are the six figure speaker spotlight, yeah. tell me how public speaking yeah. has come into your world and how you've used it. Sure. to benefit your business. Yeah, I, the dental industry, first and foremost, is where I, I think I've gotten the most value out of speaking. And I started, funny, when I was at Western Dental, I never went to a conference. Um, but the moment I left, I started going, what's the, what's the next conference I can go to? And so it started by walking the floor and just not knowing anybody in some of these places and going to more and more and started building some rapport and relationships with people. And the more you start talking with other thought leaders before I know it, I'm pulled into you know, a dinner, a meeting, a conversation. And that has led to, would you like to speak at this conference? Would you like to be, you know, on, on a panel discussion, you know, in this event? And, you know, while I think one, it's establishing credibility, I think just having the ability to talk about how I think about things or how I see it is, you know, that's right. That's the value. There's no, there's nothing more valuable than having the opportunity to Say whatever you want to say um, and, and see if it resonates with people and 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 not have to always hunt people down and convince them that you can add value, but have the people see that there might be a good fit for their business. So uh, I made a lot of effort uh, pretty much out of the gate, but it started, you know, I'd say those first that first year was sort of a learning curve of who are the players in the broader dental space, sort of mm -hmm. in the the tier that I wanted to play in, which were these these groups that were sitting in that uh, probably that five to 20 location kind of places. I'm coming from one that had 200 plus locations. So big enough that I, that they had a team, not big enough that they had all the pieces in place and had it all figured out. And I feel like that's where I added value. So being able to talk to that 
And, you know, some of that was very formal, like speaking engagements and a lot of it, you know, a tremendous amount of informal engagements for being invited to the right tables at the dinner where you're, you're, you're literally doing, you're doing the same speaking. You're just doing it for an audience of eight very engaged people instead of you know, a room that, you know, may, may, some may, may be tuned out anyway. So it's just, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, net, networking in one form or another has pushed me into a lot of more speaking opportunities, which has led to new relationships, which has led to engagements and so forth. So, um, and certainly I've, I've benefited from, uh, over time, I, I, when I people reach out and said, I, I heard you on a podcast, I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> so it, that, that's actually what, that's actually worked out nicely as well over time too, in a couple instances. So, um, I really, you know, I appreciate when I have an opportunity like this to get to talk about, you know, what the heck I know, or at least how I think about things. Has there ever, you know, when I, when I ask you about a speaking engagement that changed yeah. the game for you, has there been one that you yeah. would say, that one opened up a door that I could never have realized was available to me, or is there one that really changed everything for you? Yeah, I was going to start. There's two big, there's like three big things in my, in the dental world, but one of them, like the ADSO is the you know, Association of Dental Service Organizations. That's a massive organization. Um, I got to speak in one of their events about a year and a half ago, two years ago in Austin, I believe. Um, so I was going to say that might be like the biggest one. And in some regards, that's true because I'm there's putting on a badge. I'm a speaker. I'm walking around. Um, but I also, honestly, if I, I be fair, I think if I go backwards, the group called the Dental, Dental Entrepreneurial Organizations focus on these small, smaller groups and really establishing rapport there and speaking at their events. And I think that, that brought, that sort of pushed me up to that other bigger event. Um, but I don't, Think it was i think is for me even potentially more valuable so uh and i started just going because i was intrigued by what their messaging was and what they were teaching people and then being a part of some value more valuable conversations there that actually has really stimulated uh you know a lot of opportunity for me because i think it was i was speaking to the right audience you know just like anything else you can it, you can have the right messaging to the wrong audience and it doesn't resonate quite as well. So I'm speaking to a massive demo group. They don't really need me, but I'm speaking to a group that's exactly where I saw an opportunity, which was that room full of people. That's where I really have seen tremendous value and sort of playing. I was actually just listening to a Strava podcast, just like playing, you know, it's okay to be niche if you're focusing on the right niche. And I think, uh, and for me, that's really um, where I found a sweet spot uh, that I could really, uh, uh, you know, interest people and add a value. Well, that sounds like great advice. I think I think our listeners will get a great deal out of that. Um, I, I, I love to take advantage of the opportunity that we have an expert in your field, and especially with healthcare trends. Before we go, I want to ask you, given your really extensive experience in this space, what emerging trends do you see shaping the future of dental and medical groups? Because it seems like there's major shift going on right now yeah. and they're popping up every place. I mean, is there a more lucrative deal out there than owning urgent care businesses? I understand get yeah. four or five of those and you know, you're made, tell me what you're seeing. Yeah. And I think like you said, they're popping up everywhere. I mean, there's not necessarily any more doctors today. It's just the way medicine and dental are being presented. It's much more visible. It's a retail opportunity now versus in the fourth floor of a back you know, of a building that nobody wants to walk in anymore. Right? That has changed dramatically the nature of healthcare uh, you know, here in Los Angeles. 
Yeah. Now you go into Century City Mall and it's not even just retail. It's fancy retail. You got like really high end, like med medical kind of even UCLA health there looks fancy. I mean, they've really sort of upscaled everything and made it much more um, uh, available or accessible or, or certainly more visible. And, and I think that trend will continue across all the industry. Um, what I think that I think that's done, that's I think started from a lot of just changes in insurance and people like sort of accepting urgent care could be my primary care on the medical side. So why do I wanna make a doctor's appointment for six weeks out? I can walk in there this afternoon. Uh, and that experience has gotten better and better. So I do think that people are very, um, uh, you know, it is, there's a marketing, there's, there's a focus on a better customer experience I don't think that's going to go away. I think that only becomes increasingly important across all the, the landscape for one. Um, secondly, I agree with you. If you can, if you can replicate what you're doing, whether it's, if you can make a second location successful, you can probably make a third one and then can you make a fourth? And then the question then becomes, when do people hit a wall that they don't have, they're not equipped to manage how what some people I see can manage one site but not two. Somebody could make it manage five but not ten. And everybody has a different sort of breaking point, uh, and and sort of seeing where they can push it and who they need to bring on their team. But if you can scale something, somebody else wants to invest in you or buy you. That's just that's just the nature of the game in healthcare right now. And I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. And private equity is looking for any any group that can do that successfully to either make them a new platform or to add them onto an existing platform in a new region or a new hub, because look, if, if they can grow, we can create, we can create value. And it's, it's almost special medical specialty agnostic at this point. Yeah. I, yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. I'm so glad you shared that. It really makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, this has just been great advice, Michael, and I really appreciate your bringing your perspective to the show. Well, no, I, I appreciate the opportunity to get to, to talk and, and, and to meet you. And, uh, and I do really think that, uh, you know, there's nothing more valuable than having a voice. And I could write that you know, I have stuff on my website, which people can, can or can't read, but I don't, there's nothing more valuable than having the opportunity to speak to somebody uh, or to speak to an audience and really tell them, tell them who you are and what you're, what you're, what you're trying to bring to the table. And I think so, um, you know, I think everyone should seek out those opportunities because everyone has some area of expertise. It's just a matter of, yeah, I can't be everything to everybody, or maybe I've tried at times and totally fail on that. It's really just sort of narrowing where I can provide a value or provide it in a way that somebody else doesn't, or I can do it more effectively. And I think so focusing on where I find that I provide the most value, the sort of my niche is what's really helped me and being able to communicate that has been huge. So you know, an opportunity like this is also is really great. So I, I appreciate the time and the opportunity. Well, it's just great. It's just been a pleasure having you on this show. And I always hate it when it ends. I'm always in this great conversation and I have to honor that it must end. But, That's you know, right. it brings us to an end to a really insightful episode once again of the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight. And I want to extend a really heartfelt thank you, Michael. Um, for coming to the show and bringing your experience and your wisdom. And Michael's journey and insens, uh, insights are a testament to the pivotal role of strategic thinking and effective communication in, achieve, in achieving business success. So for those of you looking to learn more about Michael's work or seeking strategic um, advisory for your own business ventures, I highly encourage you to reach out to Michael and you can visit 
his website at inflection360.com. It's just a treasure trove of expertise for anyone looking to elevate their business strategies. And so as we close today's episodes, remember, in the world of business, your voice is your greatest asset. So speak it into existence and watch your business soar. And until next time, keep speaking your business to success. I thank you for tuning in and we'll see you at the next Spotlight. I want to thank you for joining us on this episode of the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight. We hope you enjoyed this deep dive once again into the remarkable stories and insights of our incredible guests. Their experiences and wisdom are not just meant to inspire you, but to provide you with actionable steps to take on your own path to success. Remember, you have a story to tell and your voice has the power to transform your business and make lasting impact. If you found value in today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an empowering conversation. We'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a review and share the show with your friends, colleagues, and your fellow visionaries. Until next time, keep speaking, keep growing, and keep reaching to make your difference. This is Kelly O'Hara signing off from the Six Figure Speaker Spotlight.